Good evening. It's good to see you all tonight. Get your Bibles out and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel Daniel chapter 6. I know from talking to many people this morning and this evening that for some of you, this weekend has been a weekend of stay in the house and stay cozy and uh, out of the rain and chill that's going on outside. And so I'm thankful that you have chosen to get out tonight and, uh, and be here with us. And so you may not remember this, but a few, maybe a month ago, I did a lesson on a Sunday morning in the book of Daniel. We were in Daniel chapter 1, and uh, we talked about Daniel being chosen by the king. And so tonight, I don't want to call it a continuation because we're not necessarily continuing the thought, but we are moving further in the story than where we were in the first Part. So just look at Daniel uh, chapter 6, and that's where we're going where we're gonna to be uh, for the whole night. Uh, so let's jump right in. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 3, and I want you to see how applicable this story is to us today. Uh, it's easy a lot of times to read these Old Testament stories. We call them stories. And they almost get lumped in with fairy tales and things like that that aren't true. And this story remains applicable to our life today. And this story really happened. And so let's look at Daniel chapter 6. We'll look at just the first few verses and then we'll stop there. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three presidents of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel must have been an incredible dude. If you go back to chapter 1, when we talked about that in the first place, remember Daniel was chosen out of all the exiles to come in and learn the new language and learn and be educated on his, uh, in his new land where they were going to be uh, exiled. Daniel was chosen out of all the young men to come in and take part in that. And then right here, Daniel is selected as one of only three satraps. I mean, one of only three presidents, excuse me. And each of these presidents had satraps under them that would report to them, and then they would report back to the king. And so being a president, just as it is in any place, a president is a pretty big deal. And for Daniel, being a president was a pretty big deal. And on top of that, look at verse 3, when it says, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, it's pretty cool in these instances in Scripture when maybe someone doesn't say something, but we get a glimpse into their mind. And so we get a glimpse right here into the king's mind because he is planning on setting Daniel over the whole kingdom. So he's, he's planning on putting him even up above the presidents. Now, satraps were officials uh, that were responsible for security and collecting money and making sure the king received that money into, its, into his treasury. 
And so the presidents were the three guys on top of them who made sure that they did their jobs. And so Daniel was going to be even further up than that. Now, something that I find impressive about Daniel is his persistent faith. The fact that Daniel remained faithful and was persistent with his faith all throughout this book. Now, just earlier in Scripture, we saw three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into a fiery furnace because of their faith. Now, Daniel, very easily, he could have said, God, why do bad things happen to good people? God, why, why has a bad thing happened to my friends back in chapter 3 of this book? They've been faithful to you, but yet still something bad has happened. Is that something you ever have asked in your life? Because for me, it is. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I think this question is something that Daniel easily could have wrestled with in this book. And as we read through this story, I think we'll see what the answer was for Daniel to that question. And and look at verses 4 and 5. Even though Daniel easily could have asked that question. Verses 4 and 5, Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And so Daniel, even though something bad had happened in his life, and we don't really know exactly where his friends are at this point in the story, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we can imagine that maybe Daniel has seen other bad things happen in his life, But at this point, there's nothing bad that can be said about Daniel except for his faith in God. Now that is incredible. And that is a statement that all of us should hope that at the end of our lives or at any point in our lives, that that is a statement that other people would make about us. The only thing wrong with that person is their faith in God. That's awesome. And Daniel, he... His faith was seen by these people. That's another point we could stop and talk about. Daniel's faith was seen. They knew about his faith. Now, from what we know about Daniel, I don't think Daniel was one that was running through the streets and saying, hey, look at my faith. I think they knew about Daniel's faith because he practiced it. Because he put it into action. And verses 6 and 7, I want you to look at it. Then these presidents and satraps, the ones that were just talking about how great Daniel's faith was, these same presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king. Notice that word agreement. This is the same sentiment. This is the same idea that is displayed in Psalms chapter 2 verse 1. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. That says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? 
plotting in vain. So when it uses this word agreement, you kind of get this idea that these men have been plotting in vain. And, you know, it's not just like a spur of the moment thing. A lot of times when I read this, I just imagine them standing there as a group of friends and they're talking about how great Daniel is and then they just decide brashly, let's run to the king and set up this law. But that's not what happened. It's even worse than that. They have this agreement. They came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, these guys were obviously up to no good. And one point that I had not really noticed before I was studying it this time is the fact that these men had crafted a lie to the king. So not only were they creating this this, uh, plot against Daniel, but look, they lied. Look at verse 7. All the presidents have agreed. Now who was one of the presidents? Daniel. And from my knowledge in this story, I don't think Daniel agreed to this plan that would end up throwing him in a den of lions. And these men were just no good. And when I think about the fact that there were only three presidents, and Daniel was one of them, I believe that when they came to the king and talked to him, of course, I can't prove this by Scripture. I'm just talking about an assumption that I'm making in Scripture. But I feel like the king would notice that Daniel is missing from this group. Because there's only three presidents. And not only that, but remember, Daniel is his favorite. Daniel is the guy that the, that the king is about to set over everybody. I feel like surely Darius would have noticed that, that Daniel is missing. One writer says that Darius likely saw this decision to, to set this into law as a political decision that would unite the kingdom under him. And, and look at verses 8 and 9. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Verse 9, therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So King Darius signs this into law. And because Daniel's not there, and because he just kind of does this, it seems like he made this huge decision without a whole lot of thinking and discussing behind it. It seems like he made this decision without putting much thought into it. And to me, it seems like he got a big head in this moment. And I wonder if he got a big head and just thought, you know, it would be kind of cool if they only bowed to me and only prayed to me for the next 30 days. That sounds kind of neat. 
Have you ever made a big decision without putting a whole lot of thought into it? I think we all have at some point, and a lot of those decisions end up being mistakes uh, if we don't think a little bit about it, especially a decision that's like this one when they say, hey, make this law that cannot be changed. If I was going to make a decision that can't be changed, I would hope I would put more thought into it. But Darius, he gets the big head and he signs it into law, not realizing the effect that it's going to have on the whole kingdom, especially Daniel. Now look at verse 10. And because of what happened to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Daniel probably knows that the kings in this place, they mean business. They didn't just say they were going to throw them into a fiery furnace. He saw it put into action. And when you see a punishment like that put into action, you think twice the next time, right? That's the whole idea behind a spanking. That if you know mom and dad mean business, next time you'll think a little bit harder before you make the same mistake. Well, Daniel, I believe, knew that the king meant business. But look at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he knows what's going on. He knew it was in place. So it wasn't exactly completely behind his back. He knew what was going on. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. I love that the writer leaves this detail that Daniel knew what was happening. Because otherwise, we might assume that Daniel just continued doing what he did without knowing the punishment. But instead, we know that Daniel knows his punishment. And Daniel could have gone and prayed in a, a private place to maybe hope that these people didn't see him. But instead, he goes into his house, he goes to the upper chamber, to a window, right where all these other, I'm going to call them co-workers, could have seen him easily, because he does it every day. So they knew where he would go to pray, and that's where he went. That's exactly where he's at. And look, verse 11. Then these men came by agreement. There's that word again, agreement, reminding us that this is part of their plan. They knew they could catch Daniel. They knew where they could catch Daniel and when they could catch Daniel. They ran by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Every piece of this plan is meticulously planned out. And have you ever had great satisfaction when your plan actually works? I think about, it wasn't long after me and Allison got married, I decided to pull a prank around the house. And maybe some of you have done this before, but I decided to get a rubber band and tie it to that little squirter on the, on the uh, kitchen sink. You know what I'm talking about? And sorry if I'm giving... <laughs> you husbands an idea 
or wives, sorry if I'm giving you an idea, but I tied a, a rubber band around the squirter. And, you know, I just couldn't wait. I was just couldn't wait for Allison to go in the kitchen and turn on the faucet. I was so excited. And I'm just thinking in the back of my head, is my plan going to work? Is it going to work? And I remember her going in there and hearing that scream when the water squirted out right into her face. And I remember being so satisfied (laughs) that it worked. (laughs) But she's not innocent because not long after that, she decided to do the same thing to me. But luckily I saw it. And I just left it alone and went and sat back in the living room and the funniest thing was when she turned it back on and squirted herself back in the face. <laughs> but, but she scares me all the time around the house. She loves to hide and jump out and scare me. But don't you love when a plan that you put into place works? And I, I imagine that satisfaction. The same satisfaction you're thinking about of some plan that you had in the past that worked. I imagine these guys having this same satisfaction except they're throwing someone into a den of lions. So I just, just think about the joy you have in your mind when you were able to execute some kind of big plan. And that's the kind of joy that they had in their minds. This is how evil these other men were. Just imagine that satisfaction. And look at verse 12. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians which cannot be revoked. So they didn't just run and yell, King, Daniel Daniel was praying to his God. Daniel was praying to his God. What they did was, first, they said, King, remember that law? You know, there's no way it can be changed, right? They kind of set him up. And the king finds out pretty quickly after this that Daniel was the one who's been praying to his God. And Darius is hurt over it. He made a mistake signing this law, but it's, he can't change it now. He's hurt. And he thought about it until the sun went down. This is the kind of thought he probably should have put into the decision in the first place, right? Thinking about it until the sun went down and and mulling over it and deciding, is this something I should do? He thinks a lot about it. But he realizes there's no change that can be made. And jump down to verses 16 and 17. The king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his uh, own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So after Darius thinks and thinks and thinks, he realizes there's nothing he can do to change it. He rolls this stone in front of the den of lions after throwing Daniel in, and then he he marks it with his signet and the signet of his lords, as it says. Daniel was stuck. Now, why was Daniel able to make 
this decision. Now, I want you to turn over, mark your spot there in Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to do the same. And flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then again, in the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus closes it out. Verses 24, verse 24 of chapter 7. Just flip one page over probably. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Daniel built a solid foundation on God. Daniel built such a foundation that he recognized that his treasures were on something eternal. His treasures were laid up in heaven. He had built his foundation on a rock that was immovable. He had built his foundation on something much more permanent than everyone else. Now, when you think about Daniel and his story, Daniel had great earthly fame. He could have, right? Because he was about to be set over the entire kingdom. And so when he made the decision to go up and pray, he was making a decision between something temporary and something eternal. And Daniel recognized that he had to build a foundation on God. Because let me tell you something that's very difficult to understand. Anything on this earth is breakable. Everything on this earth is breakable. Our possessions are breakable. The relationships that you build on this earth are breakable sometimes. Your health is breakable. Our country is breakable. Everything is breakable as long as we're here. And so as a group, let's stop trusting in those things. We cannot trust in the things of this earth because they are breakable. They are temporary. And if you put your trust in those things, in the things of this earth, you will be disappointed. We've all been disappointed before. Our faith and our trust has to be in things that are eternal, not in things that are temporary. And let me tell you something, your relationship with God can never be broken. No matter how bad, or no matter how much you lose of your possessions, 
your relationship with God cannot be taken from you. No matter how broken our country can become, your relationship with God cannot be taken from you. No matter how bad your health gets, your relationship with God cannot be taken from you. That is eternal. Your relationship with God is eternal. Build your trust in that. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed. Now, if you flip back over to Daniel chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. It says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. I've been done no harm. Now, you ask that question. I ask that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? And the answer is, unfortunately, as long as we live here, things are breakable. And nothing is eternal except for our relationship with God. And when I read Daniel's response, the fact that he had been done no harm, it was because his faith was in an eternal God, not the temporary fame of earth, not the temporary relationship with the king, not the temporary relationship with the other presidents and satraps. His eternity was built on God. Now look what happened to these other men. Verses 25 through 27 of Daniel chapter 6. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And so, if you go back even further, verse 24. You see what happened to these people who put their faith in earthly fame. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. That's what happened to the men who built their foundation on the things of this earth. They were broken, chewed out, spit. Who knows what happened to them? But Darius, because of Daniel's faith, he reminded everyone to lay up for themselves treasures in heaven to follow the one true eternal God. And he said this about God, for he is the living God, listen to these next two words, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, never be destroyed. And His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So whatever's going on in your life, my encouragement to you is this, that your relationship with God is eternal and no matter what happens here, nobody can take that away from you. 
Nothing can take that away from you. And tonight might be the time that you need to start that, that walk, that journey through baptism. Maybe you need to say tonight that you're not going to any longer lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead you're going to remember that the most important thing in, in your life is your relationship with God. And for some of you, you've you made that choice to follow God, but you're like those presidents and satraps and you've allowed the things of this world to distract you. And maybe tonight is the time for you to, to start laying yourself, your treasures in heaven again. Remember, your foundation is in an eternal God and nothing can take that away from you. If you have a need tonight, come forward as we stand and sing.